0: FM to get started.
1: I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV Talk. Now, let the
0: Buzz begin.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to a Star, where we talk to some of your favorite stars, from your favorite shows, and movies, and today's guest is Mr. Antoine Tanner. I cannot express how excited I am for him to join me over Zoom today. You might recognize him from Alicia, Coach Carter, the Wood. One Tree Hill and many more. Like, thank you so much for joining us with us today.
0: Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I like Afterbus <laughs> TV. I did Afterbus TV a couple years ago with, uh, for Black Jesus, and we had a ball. And I was like, "Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys hit me back up."
1: Well, we got a lot to talk about today, but first we got to talk about. How have you been adjusting to quarantine life? Because this, we've been four months in, five months in now, it's been a struggle. How have you been dealing with it?
0: Man, but quarantine life is, I mean, the only thing it changed for me was my workout schedule. Because I normally, we homebodies anyway. So, <laughs> like, I get up, I go out, I do my little thing, I come back in. And, like, my day consists of going to the grocery store and then the gym. So that's been the the biggest thing. So what I decided to do was I'm turning my garage into a gym. So it'd be cool. Now I got my, you know, you go into that room and you just escape for a couple of hours. And but we homebodies anyway. We don't really do much. I do. I, I mean, I do miss going to like the comedy clubs and stuff like that, and maybe going to um, you know a couple of places to have some drinks on the weekend and maybe eat something. But other than that, we just bring it to the house. That's it. We just at home with it. So I've been adjusted,
1: And we are now living in a rebirth of the civil rights movement. More than 300 Black stars and executives in the entertainment industry have called out Hollywood to stop not only glorifying police, but anti-Black content. And how do you believe Hollywood can be the solution since they created the problem?
0: Well, Hollywood could definitely be, just be the solution because it's all in what the kids see. And now you have so much social media and everything is virtual. Like, they don't do what we did in my generation. Like, we went outside to play. We actually went <laughs> outside and play. We actually had to talk to our friends. We didn't text. We didn't, you know, we had chores. And then we went outside and we socialized. The kids now, they don't really socialize. It's just everything is, like, they got friends in Germany that they never met. They just got friends on Instagram. So it's all virtual. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of the younger kids, they just believe what they see. So if Hollywood is putting that out there, then I think, you oh, that's what they see, then that's, that's that's how they'll go about it. But it definitely is um, touching subjects because, you know, I have two young black sons, you know what I'm saying, and, and they don't get it. Like, some of my white friends, they didn't really understand what I was telling them. Like, I always ask questions like, what are your police stories? And I said, you know, our police stories are totally different regardless of who I am. I've been pulled over and that cop don't notice who you are and none of that. It's aggression right away what do you got in the car do this could you get out the car could you, oh you the dude from the mo- oh hey man whole attitude changed now i'm not a threat but i was a threat and i shouldn't have been a threat you see what i'm saying but we have to tell our kids hey put your hands out the window when you get pulled over don't do this don't talk just yes sir no ma'am just you know just keep it real simple so that way i don't have to be at the hospital you know what i'm saying or you know knocking you out and stuff like that you know but because I have young boys so I have to make sure that they they understand that, that this is day and age society and how we're dealing with the people that's supposed to serve and protect.
1: Definitely, and being a father, if there is one lesson you want your kids to take away from you and move on through life with, what would it be?
0: Hey, don't do what I do, do what I say do. You know, that's what my granny used to always tell me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I I feel like I'm a great example. I show certain stuff, you know what I'm saying? just by my action, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't talk about it, be about it. You know, you follow the actions and usually they'll usually follow suit. That's the the message that I try to leave.
1: And how has being, at least how has your idea of what being a man changed throughout your life?
0: Well, I think my idea changed was I was a boy until when I first had my son. When my son was born, it was just like a switch, something like, like, I had a little face that needed me to, I need food, I need this, I need that, I need that. So it changed up your whole priorities. It, was, it wasn't was about, oh, we gonna go to the, let's go to the club this weekend and try and talk to some girls, oh, let's do this, or oh, let's do this, but was just all about us. Like, I don't care, I could get up and go when I want to. It, it made you have a sense of stability and change your priorities around, like, overnight.
1: I can definitely see that, and before did your dream change of what you thought your life was going to be like from did you always know you're going to be an actor or did it change
0: I actually never thought about being an actor I I wanted to be a professional basketball player which I, I got to accomplish that still playing basketball to this day but what it was was basketball is what took me to everything because I was in college it was my freshman year of college um right before my freshman year of college and uh I was playing the Say No Classic in the Drew League and this coach noticed me and he was like, Man, you really could play. I think you should come audition for this movie. And I was like, Okay. And he Told me I could get hundred bucks a day if I was one of the players on the other team to play against the, the actors. And I was like, Cool, that's what's up. Cause they wanted the, the movie to look as real as possible. And I went to the audition. They liked me as a basketball player. Then he hit me up and said, Hey, they want you to come in and read for this role the next day. And I was like, I'm not an actor though, but I do want that hundred dollars, you know. So it's good. <laughs> so um, went in. They gave me a script. I never forget it. My friend Becky Drury helped me because she was an actress. Um, she helped me study the night before, and then the next day I caught eight buses to the audition. Eight buses because we we, you know, we was poor. So I caught eight buses to that audition, and um, I got in and I met Real permanent and Danny DeVito. And I was like, oh, snap, my granny loves you. You're like, did <laughs> you sign this autograph? I'm going to mail it to her because my granny was still living in Chicago at the time. And they was like, oh, okay, okay, because I was had a, like a groupie moment. And then um, they was like, okay, cool, she's going to read with you. Now, back then, you know, I never acted before. So I was like, I didn't know you could use the, the paper. I didn't know you could use the script. So I had just studied what I studied. Like, I was studying, like, for a regular test. I made sure I didn't get no ands, <laughs> but two, poor maybes. I had everything, like, a robot. And she started reading, and I literally went blank and forgot everything on the paper. So I just kind of said it in my own words, like, nah, coach, you know, this and this and that. And i never forget, when I left the audition, I was so mad on the bus. I was just like, I'm not going to get that because... I messed up like I studied all that all those hours Becky told me to do this she told me to do that and I missed I missed a four I missed the and right there I was supposed to say that man I ain't even I, mean, I know they're not gonna hire me because you know I failed the test I felt like I got like a 70 you know <laughs> out of 100 because I was missing words
1: well at least you passed
0: <laughs> yeah and then they called that night when I got home my dad was like hey some white lady was calling oh, hey uh, are you in trouble I was like no, I ain't doing nothing. I was like, I had that audition. She was like, well, she said it don't matter what time it is when you get in to call her. Because, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. It was, it was like 93. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. So he gave me her number. So I called her on the house phone. That's crazy. I called her on the house phone. And um, she's like, congratulations, you booked it. And I was like, cool. I'm about to get 100 bucks a day. Like, I'm about to. <laughs> I'm about to be one of the dudes on the other team. And she's like, "No, you about to be one of the stars of the movie." I was like, "What?" I had no clue what to do, but it was so fun. Like when I got there, DeAndre Bonds that was on the wood with me. Um, he was busy being Sunset Park, and then uh, you know Terrence Howard and Talon Harris. Like they, federal star, they took me under their wing. I'm just like, because it was my first time acting. I never did anything. I didn't even understand blocking. I just was natural and they helped me out like you know what i'm saying just a whole lot that very my very first because that was my very first acting role but i was not an actor i was a basketball player that they just liked my skills on the court
1: and the rest is history as they say
0: you got to get good at it once i once i started getting a check i was like damn i probably could really do this so now i need to study and i need to practice and You know, and like I said, I look at everything as like basketball. And I know at basketball you have to be repetition is good. So that means you have to stay practicing to in order to, you know, hone in on your skills and stuff like that. So I just started studying actors. Denzel, Samuel Jackson was always one of my favorites. Just started studying those guys, studying them, studying them. Then I got the opportunity to work with all of them. So that was cool too.
1: I mean, speaking of basketball and working with people, you did coach Carter. But for those who have not, for some reason, seen this movie, please watch it. It turns 15 this year. And how does it feel knowing how impactful this movie was and still is 15 years later?
0: I mean, you know, like Mark Swan and uh, Ryan Robbins and Mike Tolan, you know, and those guys, Joe Devola, all of them, they put everything together. And uh, they got with the real Coach Carter. I, they like to do sports things. I noticed that they love all the sports things because they just did the um, the last dance with, with with Michael Jordan. That was Mike Tolan them. So, and they also produced One Tree Hill. <laughs> that was crazy, right? So they, um, you know, those guys, really good guys, man. I've been doing those guys for 20 plus years since I was a kid. Work with them a lot, and um, their vision on, like I said, that's Hollywood they portray certain stories. These are stories that certain people you just don't hear about. You don't hear about that this coach actually went the extra mile because he actually cared about his kids. He cared more about winning than he is. And the the real coach Carter, he's, he owns a school. He owns a college in Texas now, like a really good, like he's all about education and educating young black men. He don't want you to be a statistic. And he talks to you. You have to address him as sir. He addressed everybody as sir still to this day. So it it was really inspiring that they go out and find stories like that, that are the untold stories. And you know what I'm saying? That we never see it on the media. We only hear about the powerhouse schools that, you know what I'm saying? That this guy's just so good, but you never know whether that guy had grades or what he had to deal with. You know what I'm saying? So like I said, they portray the fortune and the fame to the kids. So that's all they see. They don't see the school side of it. So with him having to do that, it portrays both. And I think, you know, with that being being out there, it's a good message for them to, to portray. So I I kind of like the way that they do their thing.
1: The best part I loved about that movie was showcasing one of the bigger things, like you like you were saying. It isn't necessarily about winning. Cause like, especially from my town, because we're both from Illinois, you're from Chicago, yep. and I'm from East St. Louis. So sports is a very big thing, but there's more. To just sports there has to be more than just your environment
0: yeah because if, you don't want
1: to become
0: it yeah that's all we see we, we see that this is the way out so that's it but everybody still won't make it but they don't see the other jobs in the sports field the sports therapists and the this and the trainers and the this. they all make money too you know what i'm saying but that's not what we see coming from where we come from you know what i'm saying we see this option so we say we're going to take that and then if that don't happen then what you have no backup. You have no you no plan because they never taught you the education side to where now you can go do this too because you got that degree. You can go do that because we never taught that early on. You know They keep us away from that. They don't want us to see that.
1: And what was your favorite thing about playing Worm?
0: You know what? Worm was that character where he could do whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: so, you know, like certain characters you have to be they put you in a box because that character wouldn't do this. Worm is not that character. So it's way more fun to play that character that can never go over the top. You know how they say less is more? No. More is good for a character like that because, you know, you ne- and every time you see him, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Soon as you see him, you start laughing because you're like, oh, God, here he go again. Like Even his walk is just, <laughs> his laugh, his... They smile, like something about him, it's just always, you have those characters and those characters are everywhere in every different project that you like, you know, you you find your favorite character and be like, oh my God, this dude is crazy. Wait, 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 watch when he come on. You know what I'm saying? So you're like waiting. So that it, it was more fun for me to play that because it was really weird because on the set, when we was filming the movie, they would have worms saying stuff. And so I would we would record it or whatever. And then after that, I'd be like, hey, I talk, tell Thomas, hey, Thomas, could I get a take? And uh, so after, he was like, oh, okay, yeah, I let you get a take. So after a while, he just like, okay, everybody, we got that. Moving on. I was like, nah, I need a take. <laughs> okay, everybody, Antoine wants a take. And so I would do it, and he would always come from under the thing, cracking up. And he'd be like, you said that? I was like, hey, that's what Warren would say. And so, and so it was crazy because a lot of the stuff that they wrote, they didn't use. A lot of the stuff that I made up, they used it all in the movie. <laughs> but I didn't care. You get the writing credit. I just get the performance credit. It's cool. We that's made a-
1: awesome, though. I mean, that's also what makes you a great actor.
0: Yeah, we made a beautiful character. <laughs> so I-, I
1: think my favorite scene for Worm was obviously when Timo Cruz doesn't meet his requirements. And then everybody's just like, you know, I'll do this for him. I'll, I'll run something, I'll do something, and you're just standing there looking around, and you're just like, I guess I'll do something, too.
0: <laughs> hey, you gotta remember, Worm was one of the ones who had a 1.59 GPA, so hey, hey, I did my part, man, you gotta get your 2.02. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta do yours, player. So I guess uh, okay, I'll do some. We crew. Let's rock.
1: <laughs> I Love. know one of your inspirations is Samuel Jackson, and obviously, how did you feel working with him and just learning from somebody you admired.
0: Well, I actually that's not the first time I worked with Sam. I worked with Samuel on um, 187. I play Augie in that movie. And um, that was the first time I actually got to meet with, uh, meet with him and sat down and I chopped it up with him and talked to him. And, and I just learned so much and I was just like, okay, cool. And then when I got the opportunity to go in for the, for the movie, I was like, man, I hope I booked this. And it was a it was a process. It took us about, it took me about a month to book to book Worm because we was going back and forth. It was going back and forth. Because in actual, in actuality, Worm didn't even have that big of a role. When it wow. started, Worm had three lines. On the original script, Worm had like three lines, but he was seen in a lot of the, the stuff. But we had the table read. I'll never forget it. We had the first table read at Paramount. And with the producers was going back and forth, it wasn't that funny. So they was like, oh, okay. It looks like we're gonna have to recast. And they had us like close. So everybody was there. So it was like, and we had a bunch of new actors. Channing was a new actor. Nana was a new actor. You know what I'm saying? It was just me, Robert Richard, and Rob Brown. And Rick was doing the only like actors. You know what I'm saying? But their characters were different in the beginning. So they was like, and I'll never forget it. Cause Mike, Mike, uh Tolan and Brian Robert, they know I don't really read scripts. I just kind of read my my part and, and then I, you know, because I like to watch, I like to watch the finished project. It's not like a diss. I just be like, I'm fans of these guys. So it's like I want to, I want to watch it with everybody else like a fan, instead of like, okay, let me see what's gonna happen. Okay, I know what happened on this part. I'll just do my scenes and then, you know, and just and just watch it when everybody else. I'm just excited as as the fans are. And so uh they can Came to me. Brian came to me that day and he was like, Hey, I know you probably didn't look at this last night when we sent it, but uh, highlight <laughs> your stuff, please. I was like, I'm good. He was like, I know you good, but just just highlight your stuff, because man, they talking about pulling the movie because it wasn't the producers, the studio was like not feeling it for some reason at first. And so I was like, all right, I got you, man. So I looked at it real quick and I was like, okay, I'm good. So I created this laugh, the laugh that I didn't know what was that. <laughs> I created that laugh and everything. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Bam. And we went in there and killed it. And <laughs> we killed it. And so after that, it was like, oh, yeah. So now Worm became three lines to scene after, scene after scene after scene after scene. And it was just like, you know, Thomas always always used to say, you know, I go with people who I know who can deliver. So, but he was a, he was a tough cookie. Like, he would go in and he would, oh, no, nah, you know what? You say that you don't say that no more. And you'd be like, damn, he just snatched this whole storyline. <laughs> Why would he do that? But it worked, you know what I'm saying? It worked for us and, you know, me and all the guys we became really good friends over the years, you know what I'm saying? Those are my brothers for life. And, uh, you know, but it, it was good inspiration in that movie all the way around.
1: And this movie is still one of the top sports movies in film history.
0: Yeah, that's and- good. Which I think
1: is just amazing.
0: Yeah, that's dope. I'm glad to be a part of history.
1: And before we move on, I have one last question. Um, What is your deepest fear?
0: Uh, You know what? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) What's
1: my favorite line from the movie.
0: What is your deepest fear? And I'll be like, why do you keep saying that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you throw that in there?
0: Yeah, I was like, yeah, why do you keep saying that? I don't know. And they caught everything that I said. That's the crazy part. because <laughs> I didn't know because I didn't read the script. That's I was like, I didn't read it. We, I read it at the table read after they did the set because it was never the same. Every day they have rewrites. So every day you come to your trailer, it's different color pages. So yesterday this was the blue pages and you said this. Today you don't say that no more. You say this now. So it, it like keeps you on your toes every day. But what's my deepest fear is... Uh, having this country do what it's doing 20 years from now because those marches and protests was going on when I was in high school in 1993 for the Rodney King's riot. The Rodney King trial when every police got acquitted. Every single one. All acquitted. And this when they first started recording, the this was the first video of police brutality that they had recent history. And we it for these same things in 1993. And here it is 20 years later, almost 20 years later. And they're still talking about the exact same thing. Just history repeats itself. It's just crazy. That's my I mean, It'll
1: continue to do that until people that's learn from it. to
0: do that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's a fear of mine, that my kids will have to go through it. I don't want them to go through it. That's why I moved away. So they could see different races. They could see this. They could see that. You know what I'm saying? That we just wasn't, you know, that they could see a bigger picture. Like, I could go to school, I could graduate, I could do this, I could do that. That they had this, you know, hopefully they'd be given the same opportunities as everybody else is given. And then they take the opportunity, you know, upon themselves to, to try to achieve it.
1: That's amazing. And I know a lot of parents especially want that. You want you want what's best for your kids. That's, I think, a parent's job. Like, I have nothing else I, I teach you or you gain from me. I want you to be better than I was.
0: Yep, that's it. That's the main thing For want to keep right. For
1: the kids. <laughs> Speaking of for the kids, um, before and even after Coach Carter, one of my favorite all-time shows, you did One trio with the most iconic theme song by Gavin McGraw. What was it like playing skills? Because not only did you play skills from the pilot, you're one of the only four characters that did from the pilot to the finale in 19, in, the, in history
0: yeah I was on the pilot. um, and you know, guess who wasn't on the pilot? Sophia oh that's or, true or a jo- diff- Sophia or Joy was not on the pilot. nobody that's 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 tree hill uh, that's tree Hill uh trivia right there. <laughs> they were not on the pilot. I think Sophia came in the second episode, but joy, her character was a totally different girl the first episode. If you go back and watch the pilot. She was a totally different girl, it was a red girl. I can't remember her name. So so sweet though. It was a different girl on Joy was the became her episode two. So that was crazy. And I had hair. Episode one.
1: A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I had a little fake.
0: <laughs> but I had to get that. I had to get rid of that. The ball was so much easier to work with. It was so much easier.
1: What did you like about playing skills?
0: Well, skills was Skills was kind of like worm. He was that character that he really didn't have a, he really didn't have a plateau. He could do whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, like, okay, Swan, I remember he used to, he wrote a lot of stuff. But the one thing that I used to always tell him is, you could try to write Ebonics, but, but if you're not up with what's going on in the hood, it gets dated fast. We don't talk like that. So if we don't talk like that, then it looks, like you're mocking it. And you don't want them to feel a certain way that oh, we don't talk like that because that's just how people watch TV. You know what I'm saying? If somebody going, hey, now, you know, you'd be like, we don't talk like that around here. That they're supposed to be see. They would never say that out here. You know what I'm saying? So you, you know, I had to tell him that. So I was like, so certain days I would get the script and be like, I'm not saying that. Mm, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> I'm gonna take it like this. But I was the only character that could do that because you can't write ebonics. You can't Kinda write
1: true.
0: you can't write that. So, you know, it, you just gotta be up. And if you don't live in the hood, you don't see what's going on every day. I frequent the hood <laughs> when we was filming, you know what I'm saying? we was filming One Tree Hill because my brother they write on Crenshaw and Washington, so I'd be at his house all the time. Or you know what I'm saying? Like I still hang out with my basketball hood dudes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, to this day. That's just what we did. But you know, but that character was cool. I got the Learn a lot um from the different cultures that I was around. You know what I'm saying? Just as a cause we all grew up on that show. We literally grew up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, nobody had kids. I think I was me and Barbara were the only one with kids. I don't even think Mora had kids yet. So we was like the grand, the granddaddy parents of the show because nobody had kids. Now everybody got kids. And it was like, damn, I don't know how you did it, but I remember and I you know, but they like I learned so much from you from being a dad, or I learned so much from you from being a mom, like you know what I'm saying, so that was cool that the camaraderie that we had, and for us to put out the one thing I can't say about Wintry Hill why I like doing it because we touched on a lot of social um social issues way before a lot of the stuff started happening, the school shooting the you know what I'm saying that. um suicide and like we touched on so much of that stuff, like, you know, being bullied and all of that stuff that the kids are actually, you know, dealing with today that a lot of people didn't know or have people with mental illness that's reaching out. Like we touched on all of that. You know, it was just, it was just crazy. Cause I go back and watch it and be like, damn, we t- I didn't even know that we, we covered that. Wow, dope. Cause I never really watched the show. I would go to work and go home. I had kids, you know, so so it was like when I had to leave, my son had a violin recital that I had to go to. My other son, he had a basketball game. My daughter had a little dance contest, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, he's in a play. I got to go over here and do this. So it was like from set to home, totally different for me
1: at the time. So
0: it was separated for you. I had to separate it. So I couldn't go home and I had no time to... And normally when, when One Tree Hill was coming on, it was on a Tuesday night or on a Thursday night. We were working, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of times we couldn't get to watch the episode. We would have to watch them on our own and it would be so sporadic. I couldn't be like a, an avid fan to be there every Tuesday night to watch the show. We would like, oh, okay, cool. Tune in, record it or whatever so that way we could get the ratings so we could get picked up again. It was totally different for us. We would look at the script, do what we had to do and get on. But the messages were there. For sure the messages would there.
1: And though it's been eight years since the finale aired does it still feel weird or like you never left whenever you reconnect with everyone?
0: Oh yeah no no it's you know no, that's family. That's I mean we talk all the time though so that's that's the crazy part. I talk to Hillary all the time. If it's some kind of way at least every day on social media or, you know, cause her kids, those were my god babies, you know what I'm saying? So I had to hit her up, be like, hey, what's so-and-so, what, what what you got going on? Okay, you know, because a lot of people didn't know that Hillary was not married. They thought Hillary was married already. But her and Jeff had been together like 10 years. You know what I'm saying? And I was I was at their wedding. Me, Soap, Joy, Lee, you know, we all were there. You know what I'm saying? So it was real cool. You know, we support each other, you know, but that's that's my family.
1: What was your favorite line you said throughout One Tree Hill, if you remember?
0: Um, I think I kind of remember it. It was, uh, I said something about, you can't fake life or something, you gotta live it. That was one of the, that was a good quote that that they wrote, you know what I'm saying, that uh that I said, I like that one. Like, you gotta live life, you do.
1: And how did these One Tree Hill conventions start? I think, like next to Comic Con or WonderCon, like you guys have your own convention specifically tailored for you.
0: Well, I think what happened was the fans started, other people were doing the cons. And I think if I could recall from when we did the first one, because that was Icon. Um, the stories that I heard was that the fans started reaching out, like, why don't you do one for one tree hill? And they was kind of like, hmm, nah, we don't know if it'll sell, you know, but we'll do it if you guys could get this amount of signatures. We'll give you a couple of weeks to see if you could get this amount of signatures and if you could get those amount of signatures. Cause we don't, you know, they weren't fans of the show. The the people who did the um conventions, they weren't really fans of the show like that. They just was like, oh okay, you know, and um then we had been all and then we were off the air. So it was a little different, you know, the other cons, their shows are still on the air. So it's a lot different. Our show had been off the air for years already. So they was like, "Mm, we don't know if it'll sell out. We got to spend all this money to bring these people out here. We might not make our money back. And I don't think that they would get the 2000 signatures. And they said they came back with the 2000 signatures in like a couple of hours. (laughs) So they were, oh, damn. So I guess it is a really big fan base. So we'll do it. So they started hitting everybody up, you know what I'm saying, to do it. And once we did it, it just, it blew up. You know, we didn't know. We had, like, fans wanted to come to Wilmington to experience that. Any little, like, and I remember after the show, I was filming something. And um, I was filming this uh, play TV thing called From This Day Forward. Um, I was filming that. And we actually filmed that where Club Trick was at, but it's just a warehouse. The Club Trick was a made up club, you know, but it was, we were filming in that warehouse. And um, I remember these three girls came in and they came up, came upstairs and they saw me and they was like, <gasps> and they cried. And I was just like, well, you okay? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> they was like, no, it's you. Like we literally just came out here on vacation and we were just going to visit spots where they filmed One Tree Hill at. And to see you, this is crazy. They literally cried. Some girls from Nebraska, they literally cried. There was cousins, three of them. I'll never forget it. And um, I just was like, damn, I didn't know we had that much of an impact. And it was like, you you guys, you don't understand. Like, you helped me through through high school, so much stuff that I was going through. Watching your show just, just really helped me. It helped me so much. Uh, you know, it was the days got better because I would look forward to watching it to see what was happening. And you made me laugh and you, you know, you raised my spirits and I was just like, damn, I wanted to cry. You know what I'm saying? Because I was just like, damn, like that's, that's crazy. But once those people came to that, to that town it's magical for them because you never know the type of, you know, emotional impact we had on a lot of those people. And I was like, and I was like, damn, you really don't know what was going on on set with us. Like a lot of us was going through stuff, too. But I guess we were helping you. You know what I'm saying? So. But yeah, they, the conventions, they blew up. And it's kind of like a family reunion for us because we get to go back and I get to see everybody. And like now everybody brings their kids. and da, 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 da. So it's like, oh, OK, cool. What are we doing tonight? after we? Are oh, we going to so-and-so house? OK, cool. So we don't miss a beat because it's family and we, we're we not, you know, we work during the day when we have to go to the conventions with the fans and then we hang out with each other at night. So this is like perfect for us, you know.
1: And for all the fans who have not got a chance to go to the conventions, there have been little mini One Tree Hill reunions on Lifetime, especially during the holiday season. And I just remember watching, I mean, I've seen the Christmas contract, of course, and then I watched a Christmas which. Christmas wish, which we're going to talk about. And I, like, I would, like, tears would, like, be brought to my eyes seeing everybody together. Only because I wasn't expecting you to pop up. That was, that's what shocked me the most. <laughs> when, when, your, when your character showed up, like, knocking on the door for, to, like, move in next door, I was like, what, what about, what happened? How, how did they, how did they throw you in? They threw Jimmy lee mouth it was just amazing obviously but what was it like for you to work on a christmas movie your second one with hillary again and then just being with everybody again
0: those are paid vacations that's what we (laughs) call paid vacations like hillary like literally those movies i think hillary has some kind of deal with lifetime or something i don't know uh but sis she'll just basically hit you up like bro what are you doing tomorrow um, well, I'm chilling. Cool. I need you to come to Louisiana. I need you out here for like a week. All right. bet Got you. I jump on a plane. We'll talk about everything else later. Like, it's not even like, we don't talk about no contract. We don't talk, No, we just show up. At I, I get to go see my sister. I know she's going to bring the kids. I get to see my, my niece and nephew. You know what I'm saying? We get, and we're going to hang out. Like, so it's like, it's a paid vacation. We work, that work is nothing. It's fun for us. You know what I'm saying? I get to see them and then, the fans, they gravitate because they see us in a different light. And we just all like working together, you know, because some of those relationships that was on the show, those relationships were like, me and Hillary was like this on the show. And our characters were, but outside of the show, oh, I was at her house all the time. That's, that's what I'm saying, that's my sister, that's what's crazy. Her mom, her dad, her brothers, like, that's my family. So it's just really different, you know. But when she calls us, bro, I need you, and you just come down here and do this. All right, cool. Oh, I got Barbara and I got Lee coming too. What? Oh, bet, yeah, we, it's good. We don't care if we stay if we're not staying at a five star hotel. Like it's your family, you know what I'm saying? So you'll go do it for them. You be like, oh, we're cool. Oh, we, we, we just share. We get a two bedroom or something. We just we just share this little apartment. It's nothing. We good, you know? So it's it's fun. Those are really fun. And I think we're supposed to do another one this year, but. Because of the COVID and everything, I think it has to be shot by August 21st or something like that. So I'm kind of just waiting to hear if we are going to do it because it is our little, you know, our anniversary stuff for us to go do and make sure that we, you know, get a fan something else this Christmas.
1: And as a fan, I would appreciate that. But obviously COVID, we're going to find out, of course. But if you could have your own Christmas wish, what would it be?
0: Um, Well, I'm trying to buy a new house right now. So I want to be in my new house by Christmas. That's my Christmas wish.
1: I fully support that. And we're going to get into some quick, rapid-fire favorite things. Oh. So your favorite thing about being an actor?
0: Is I get to tell different stories and portray different stuff to people. Um, and I get to become other people, too. So that's fun. I always had imagination as a kid. So that's good for me.
1: Your favorite thing about being a parent?
0: Watching your kids smile.
1: Your favorite memory from One Tree Hill?
0: Um, I have too many. I have too many. That's, that's a hard one. I got too many favorite memories from myself.
1: And though you did share a fan experience, would you say that's your favorite fan experience?
0: My favorite fan experience?
1: Yeah, that you've had.
0: Um, Well, that's one of them. when those girls cried because I didn't know how much we really meant. We really meant to them. So that was a really good fan experience.
1: And you started in this industry and you've been in it for a while. Is there anything you wish someone had told you going into it, into this career?
0: There are going to be ups and downs. I wish somebody would have told me that it's gonna be dead moments and it's gonna be high moments. And as long as you can get another hustle to financially get by during those dead moments, you won't be depressed.
1: What advice would you give to young entertainers who do wanna start in the industry?
0: Study, 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 and keep kicking that door and eventually it'll pop open.
1: And what has quarantine taught you about yourself?
0: I need to work out more. (laughs) I need to work out more. (laughs) Do you have
1: a dream role that you want to do or have you already done it?
0: Um, I I haven't done it yet. I mean, but I don't necessarily have a dream role, but I did write me and uh, Cherry Johnson did write a show called snatch and it's about, um, human sex trafficking. And, um, The character that I'm playing, he's one of the guys that's helped saving people from being in that life. So that's good.
1: Do you have any other projects you have coming out that fans can get excited about? Or right now, everything's in a standstill?
0: Everything's in a standstill. I mean, I've done so much. I've done Lucifer. I've done Rookie. I've done Unsolved. I work a lot. You know, I did NCIS with with LL Cool J. That was cool. We got you know, got the work. Don't forget
1: Rosewood. I remember.
0: But I, mean, I work a lot, but you know, but um, no, just trying to get my projects done next, which that's what it's probably gonna be. Me and Hillary got something in the mix, and uh, she's gonna be a part of that. You know, the um snacks and and Epidemic is a project that I wrote and then I wrote a, a, a movie called Innocent Killers about um, you know, about the death penalty.
1: Oh, we're so excited to see you. what is next for you. And you guys can catch up all on One Tree Hill if you have not even had a chance to check it out yet on Hulu, all nine seasons are on there. You can watch Coach Carter if you don't already own it um, on iTunes or of course, if you wanna watch it for free, you got 2D the app, you can watch it there for free and A Christmas Witch on Amazon Prime. Thank you so much for doing this with me. And do you want to tell the people where they can find you on social media if they don't already follow you?
0: Oh, they can follow me um, on Instagram. I'm Antoine Tanner, 2214. Uh, And on Twitter, I'm Antoine underscore Tanner. And uh, that's it. Uh, My Facebook, I think Facebook only lets you have a certain amount of friends. And so I just kind of leave Facebook alone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to use Snapchat. I have one, but I don't know how to use it. So I never use it.
1: I respect that. <laughs> and again, I'm your host, Shay Jones. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. You can follow me at Real Shea Jones on Twitter and Instagram. And please follow the Dish Upon a Star Instagram account at Dish Upon a Star underscore. Don't forget the underscore because if you don't put it, you will follow a teacup Instagram that makes has nothing to do with this show.
0: <laughs> I think so. I followed it. I think I followed this morning.
1: Oh, thank you. This morning. Well, guys, thank you so much. Have a great Sunday. And we're, you know, we're all in this together. We're going to
0: get through it. Oh, yeah. It's going to do it.
1: Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup.